Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinker and I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder, we're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and every other podcast platform in between. If you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Uh, and in uh, parking lots and cars, we're in, we're in everything. Uh, Apple CarPlay should be supporting this soon. Drink, great to be back with you. We got a, we got a packed one today. Uh, yes, we do got a pack one, and I need to go holler at Apple CarPlay because they evidently they're not messing around with my car. But with that said, I do got plenty of other Apple products. Yes, we got a pack one. Um, I'm really uh, ecstatic about what we got to get into today. But before we do that, um, you know, when I'm on here with my brother from another mother, I got to ask you uh, how everything over there with you and yours. That's good, man. Slow but steady. We'll get there. How about you? Yeah, you know what they say, you know what I'm saying, what they say, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, all that good stuff. So we moving along today, Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday, before you know it, the weekend will be here. But before I put everybody to sleep, you know what time it is. This is another day, another dollar. We ready to give the streets what they need. Um, we see what they don't, absolutely say what they want. You know what time it is. You better sit them dinner plates because it's time to eat. And I, I don't really care if you ate already. You're going to eat again. And last but not least, Let's talk some sports, baby. Jay, what we got today, man? Well, this is episode 36. We're going to talk about the NFC title game. We're going to discuss Tom Brady's retirement. And don't miss a can't-miss segment on Brian Flores and that mega lawsuit that he just filed. Um, But we begin with the AFC championship game, which saw the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27-24. In overtime, if you may, uh, if in case you forgot, well, about three weeks ago, the Bengals hadn't won a playoff game in upwards of 30 years, and now they're headed to their first Super Bowl since I believe it was 1988, 89, somewhere in there. Uh, Joe Burrow, 23 out of 38, 250 yards and two touchdowns with one pick. Joe Mixon, over 100 all-purpose yards. Uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, both with six catches. And then for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, he did throw for three touchdowns. He was 26 for 39 for 275 yards. He did throw two picks. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, 17 catches combined. They both scored a touchdown. The Chiefs led this one 21-3 early. But we know how it turned out after that. The Bengals came back and won it. Or did the Chiefs lose it? Drink, you tell me. Man, I... That's a good question, by the way. Very good question. Jay. Um, I, I look. I, I don't want. I don't want to take the credit away from the Chiefs. I mean, I don't want to take the credit away from the Bengals. I, 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 man, I don't know how they do it week in and week out, but they getting it done. Um, but I, the Chiefs lost it, man. Like, listen. Here's the crazy thing, right? So they they go up, you know, pretty much twenty one to three, right? And and I and you know we was in the group chat and we was talking. It's funny, ironically, we was giving well, you was giving George a hard time and I was agreeing with the hard time because I'm like George, what you you kidding me right now? And um, and then he got the last laugh. But it's it's very. I thought it was very ironic how this game played very similar to the first game. And how they went in, you know, up 11 at halftime. And it's like, oh, this game is so so similar to the first game. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, whatever. This for all the chips. 
And this is, you know what I'm saying, this is not going to go like the first game. And then it started going like the first game. What, what I want to say that was remarkable, Patrick Mahomes in that first half looked like Patrick Mahomes, I thought. Um, he, he, he got the ball out of time. He found Travis Kelsey. He found Tyreek Hill. He found Miko Hartman. He found these guys. Um, it was Hilaire, uh, Jared McKinnon. I mean, everybody, it was just click. It was like, yo, this is what we seen against the Buffalo Bills. Cincinnati ain't got a chance. That was the first half. Unfortunately, in, in the game of football, you play two halves. And this game was a tale of two halves. Because I don't know who in the hell came out in the second half for Kansas City. That wasn't the same team in the first half. I felt like Patrick Mahomes was trying his best um, Lamar Jackson impression in the pocket in the second half. And he got to these points where he was just like spinning around and dips it, dude, dungaroo. And maybe the Bengals front, you know, did some things that made him uncomfortable. But I was a little perplexed with like what was going on there. I, was, I, I don't know. So I don't want to take the credit from the Bengals, but I definitely thought the Chiefs lost this game because if the same team came out in the second half that came out in the first half, I think this game go remarkably different. I think we got the blowout that I, I thought we was going to get. But instead, they stunk up the joint in the second half. I don't know. Listen, you had 21 points in the first half, and you had 24 points after overtime. That's not it. That's absolutely not it. I don't know what what happened. I, I want to see the halftime speech. I want to know what was said at halftime. Because, hey, with all this talk going around, I, I want to know was there some money getting thrown around for an L around here. Because um, that halftime was looking a little bit suspect. Let me let me find out Andy Reid got paid. Either way, um, I have to give credit to the Bengals. Um, listen, Joe Burrow, man. Listen, I, I gotta listen. I, I wasn't sold on Joe Burrow when he first got to college. Wasn't as sold in the first year. I thought he had moments. Then he got hurt year two, and now this year he gonna play in the Super Bowl. Man, Cincinnati got them a home run. That mm, this is what happened when you nail it in the draft. When you nail your wide receiver, and, when you nail your quarterback and your wide receiver in the draft, this is what happens. Instead, you got teams like the New York Giants that take Daniel Jones and um, uh, what, what the kid named Sterling Shepard in the draft, and that's what you got. Um, this is what happens when you get it together. And and the thing is this, right? Remember we we talked about the um, like in the preview, like we was like, hey, listen. The Bengals' run defense is um, close to pathetic. They should be able to run the ball. Um, and it seems like in the first half, Kansas City realized that. But in the second half, Cincinnati was like, eh, we'll go and, you know, get a V of A or somebody they got out, you know, from some sale or something. Because evidently they just start stoning the run. And then, you know, here go Patrick Mahomes is out here making up stuff. I don't know, man. It was weird. And I was hearing rumors about, hey, I think it was Rick. I don't think it was Rick. I don't really believe in those conspiracies. But I did think it was kind of odd the way the Kansas City came out in the second half. But, you know, we had Joe Mixon ran the ball well. I think we both said, you know, with the fact that he ran 21 carries for 88 yards, but then three receptions for 27 yards. I think 
We both said he had to be in the mix for Cincinnati to win. I think he was in the mix enough to allow Joe Burrow to find his three-headed monster out there. The three-headed monster being, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Ty, Ty Boyd, uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, and, and listen, I, I like what – I, I got to give a shout-out to Jamar Chase because a lot of star receivers don't like to do this. I thought he played his role well. He knew he was the star. He knew he torched him for 200 yards the first time around. So he knew he was going to be the focal point. And I thought he played a decor um, role kind of well, and he let T. Higgins be the guy this time around. And I think that worked, worked very well for the Bengals. But not to be the dead horse, because I know we're we trying to move along. The, the Chiefs lost this game. I think Andy Reid, he got some explaining to do. Because I, I don't know, man. That that wasn't it. Um, and listen, Bengals only scored 27 points. So I'm not going to sit here and act like, um, you know, the Chiefs defense didn't show up. I thought they played well. Yeah, they, they broke a few times. But at the end of the day, you third-year quarterback Joe Burrow came here, got the city on his back, got him to a Super Bowl. Shots out to him. You know, sh shouts out to the Bingo organization, man. They ain't a laughing stock no more. They got a chance to win their first Super Bowl. Um, and Ever. To, huh? Ever, yeah. Right, they got a chance to win their first Super Bowl ever. And, and shouts out, shout out to the product that we getting in the playoffs this year. We getting a very good product in the playoffs this year. I just have to say that. I mean, most of the games have been so watchable that – I, I, I sometimes I get lost in the sauce and be wondering like what, who, when did the NFL die and come back to become this? Cause we getting some good product out here. Um, so with that said, you know, hey, the Bengals they won the game, but I thought I think Kansas City lost, man, and I think rightfully so. I think it's gonna teach them to take things more seriously. And like I said, I don't know what happened in the second half, but the Chiefs lost it. Shout out to the Bengals. Congratulations. You know, looking forward to seeing them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I hate to, I hate to be the one to, um, you know, in these whole, did this team win it? Did this team lose it? I always like to give credit to the team that ended up coming out on top. But um, man, this is probably the one of the one of the occasions to where I'm. This is to me is all about the Kansas City Chiefs. Like anybody, anybody that knows football and has an objective mindset and you're not a Bengals fan or you're not a Chiefs hater or you're not just some some loon out here picking teams based off uniform colors and all the rest of it. You had the Chiefs in this game. You had the Chiefs in this game. No disrespect right. to our uh, to our hosts who had the Bengals. I don't know what he was thinking. If you bet money on it though, you probably if I'll tell you one thing, if you bet money on it, you probably cleaned up. But there was there was no there was no indication that, you know, especially me and you and you know having uh, our level of intellect. There's no reason we had the Bengals to come out on top of this game. No reason at all. Even with the Bengals winning uh, their regular season matchup. In any event, that had us even more confident that the Chiefs would come back and take care of business. And I tell you, like, I, I don't know. You, I, I mean, you can go back. You got receipts on this one in the chat. Right. 20, when it was 21-3, I said, this is over. I had right. no idea that fortunes would turn and the Chiefs' offense would just put the thing in park and just completely stop. This thing this thing unraveled before halftime even got here. The Bengals 
first three drives, they had three points. The Chiefs had three touchdowns. That's about all you need to know. Any any semblance of that game could, you know, being somewhat on that, you know, level. It, it, incredible how the Chiefs offense as the game progressed just was, you know, powerless to do anything. And I really think, I really think the key sequence was late in the first half when P. Ryan gets loose for that big yeah, screen that gets the Bengals on the board. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs had time. And the thing about it is, okay, man, we just gave up a touchdown, 21-10. Okay, no worry. It's fine. Because we're going to get this ball right now. We can go down there and score. And then we're going to double dip because we're going to get, uh, you know, for the first ball in the second half. So you still had to feel great. And the Chiefs on that, uh, that drive coming out of um, – uh, right after P. Ryan scores, they go right down the field. And then inexplicably, you have that just odd play at the end of the first half where it's five seconds on the clock. Mahomes drops back. It's got to be a quick play, guys. Right. And you don't have timeouts. And, and instead, he doesn't get the ball out quick. And then he commits. Then he throws the ball to Hill in the backfield. And he goes down in the backfield, and that's it. So, and really, you know, if you if you want to be simplistic about it, that was the difference. If the Chiefs get three points there, they win the game because they kicked the field goal to end regulation. So there, there was the points you needed. I, I thought that was really, really a key sequence. Of course, of course, the way they played the second half, it, it was just uninspiring. And obviously, I think the Bengals did some really nice things on defense. I really thought the way they rushed Mahomes it's almost like they didn't even rush him. They just refused to gather their rush lanes. You know, sometimes they would have these three-man rushes. You'd have Hendrickson on one side. You have Hubbard on the other side. And they, no matter where Patrick Mahomes – if Patrick Mahomes goes all the way to Hubbard's side and he's about on the sideline, it doesn't matter. Hendrickson's still waiting for him to come back. You know, so I thought that was, I thought that was great what they were able to do. They dropped a lot of guys and clogged up the field and made it tough. Um but the, the flip side of that is like, okay, okay, Andy Reid and uh, Eric Bieniemy and every, and Patrick Mahomes, you un, you see what they're doing? Why did you not adjust to the adjustment? It's just it's it's mind boggling. Um, so I, I I really am a proponent that Kansas City Kansas City lost this game. Um, and then and then on top of it all, you have the way the game the game gets into regular te- regulation or gets into overtime, and the Chiefs win the coin toss for a second straight week. So it's Mahomes' time. Drive down the field and we can have the the overtime thought, rules are BS. You know, we can have that argument over and over. I thought the game was over. I thought it was going to be and over. Instead, and instead, you run three plays, you throw a pick, and then next thing you know, uh, Evan McPherson is uh, now, what, 11 for 11 or 12, something crazy. He still can't miss in the playoffs. And you got the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Um you know, it's just remarkable. The, the, it, I think it's a great story for Cincinnati because I think after they beat the Raiders, I was like, well, that was real cool. But um, right. this is about to be a wrap. Right. And, I mean, they, they do they do deserve credit for um, just continuing to pull the upset. It's almost like it's similar to how I felt about Tennessee when Tennessee beat New England in Tom Brady's final season, New England, and then they upset Baltimore in the divisional round. But they couldn't finish it. They couldn't beat Kansas City the week after in the championship game. Cincinnati didn't win all the way. They won, went away from winning it at all. Again, spoiler alert, I ain't picking them to beat the Rams. 
Um, but I mean, look, they they've upset the apple cart continuously thus far. Um, you gotta you gotta uh, show them respect. I think the Rams, uh, the Rams got to be prepared for that. I think they will be. And uh, but also, you know, the other side of it is, I think this and this is completely. You can say well, this is completely irrelevant, but in some ways, I think it is. It gives more admiration to, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but it gives more admiration to what the New England Patriots have been able to accomplish over the past two decades to win, you know, six Super Bowls in, you know, a two decade span and be as consistent and, and great as they were with Brady and Belichick at the helm. Uh, the Chiefs, to me, when you look at what they've done lately in the past four years, one Super Bowl seems to be woefully short you know that you you came up short but i think it just proves how difficult it is to win over and over again and in that way it it makes in my opinion new england success through the years all that more admirable yeah no no i agree i agree you think about this right and i think if just to add on this before i get up out of here to your point that you said Remember this, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, you had Tyreek Hill, you had Patrick Mahomes, you had Travis Kelsey. Right. Not one, right. not two, not three. Right. Now look where we at now. So, like right. you said, you got to respect the game, man. And that's why. All right, so standing in the NFL, hey, you know what it is. It was two of my favorite coaches squaring off in the in the NFC Championship game. You know, we had the San Francisco 49ers led by Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuels. And then we had the Los Angeles Rams led by Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. Um, look, here's the deal, Jay. So, you know how I feel about this. Two of the best minds in the game, young minds in the game going against each other. But... You know, we kind of felt like this was the Rams game to lose. San Francisco gave a valid effort. Um, so I, I would say, I, I guess I had to pose the question to you like this. Um, did did the, did you feel like the Rams did enough to win the game? Or, or the San Francisco, they didn't, they didn't do enough to, like, okay, I think I, I phrased the question wrong. Did the Rams win? It's similar to your question. Did the Rams win the game or did the 49ers lose the game? And I'm talking specifically the quarterback play for both teams. Yeah, I, th- I think that um, you can maybe boil that down to, like, you know, similar to how, you know, you, I look at the a sequence at the end of the first half for Chiefs Bengals. I'm saying, man, this is the point that I thought was really crucial, even though obviously the second half and so on had a big impact as well. Uh, but you look at that point as a turning point. Here, I think, it, you know, when you look at the quarterbacks, um, I mean, at some, at some point, I, I think this game could be a, a, a reason why, like, the 49ers did what they did in the draft, exactly. and they drafted yeah. Trey Lance, because they just, you know, it, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo has done a lot for this team. Um, it, it's almost, in some sorts, he's been – the, the greatest bridge quarterback ever. I don't know if we've ever seen a bridge like this. <laughs> this bridge is long. It's, uh you know, Kyle Shanahan then got a lot of wins out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, because you look at you look at Garoppolo's record as a starter for San Francisco, and then you look at the record when he doesn't have Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's just a huge stark difference. But at the same time, you just – you have moments in the game. You have the Super Bowl 20 uh, – 
what, 20, the beginning of 2020, when Garoppolo overthrows Emmanuel Sanders, and you just look at that play, and you're like, man, just one play. And then, you know, you, you look at games like this where it just, just wasn't quite enough. And you look at the fact that the 49ers ran for 50 yards in this game. And then so it was, it was you needed more from your passing game to get it done. And you just, you just didn't have quite enough. I think that's, I think the quarterback play was the difference. And then on the flip side, when you look at what the Rams did in the offseason, which we, we, we kind we had NFC championship game, um, you know, we thought they'd, we, they, we'd at least make it to this round. They exceeded what we thought they would be. They made in-season acquisitions to get even better with the likes right. of Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, but Matt, it all started with Matthew Stafford because that really gave us confidence. Because I mean, I look, we gotta we gotta give we gotta give ourselves credit more often. When Jared Goff signed that contract years ago, we said, "Uh, uh-uh, this is terrible." But um, I mean, you gotta give Sean McVay credit. He said, "Okay." We have done as as good as we can with Jared Goff. We're going to get this dude out of Detroit who ain't never won nothing, but he ain't never had nothing around him outside of a Calvin Johnson. But we're going to set him up for success here. And Matthew Stafford in these playoffs, has, um, he's done well. It hasn't been perfect, but it's been, um, it's been really good. I'd put it probably at like the, the B-plus territory of how he's played. Um, you've had, you've had like, you know, the, the second half of the, uh, the, the Rams Bucks game. I mean, that was one they probably like to forget with all the mistakes you had, you had the sequences of this game. They like, man, he just, what, what are y'all doing out there? But it's the four ers defense. We know how well they play under D'Amico Ryan's. Um, and we just know Kyle Shanahan has had these guys number. I mean, he has six straight wins against Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams, which is just, just mind boggling. Because Sean McVay, especially I think the past two years, has had um, a little bit more to work with. And that was my whole, like, uh, you know, mindset coming into this game. I thought McVay had more cards to play with. Um, In the end, he needed every one of them because it was close all the way to the end. Um, I think the Rams' offensive line uh, did enough. They, They didn't let the 49ers' defensive line completely wreck the game. I mean, Bosa got back there and did a little bit. But um, they didn't wreck the game. They were able to, you know, stick with the run, even though, again, for a second straight week, it wasn't all that effective. But they stuck with it, which I think is important. Uh, And, you know, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, I mean, those guys showed up big time, both over 100 yards. I thought Blanton, the backup tight end after Higby went down, I thought he made some key plays for him. And, you know, the Rams defense didn't have a sack. But they got back there and got Garoppolo off his spot several times, including the, the interception to close it out when Aaron Donald and Von Miller were both back there. Um, so I think in the end, this one, um feel a little bit better about this one because it ended the way I thought it would with the, uh, in my, with, you know, in my view, the better team advancing. Um, but, you know, as, as you, you know, long pointed out, man, this, this coaching matchup is something special. And, um, it's probably one of the one that the, maybe it might be the best one, especially amongst the young guys. Um, it, it is going to be interesting to to see how these guys move forward. And they're, I think you can call them two of the best coaches in the game because you've got McVay now. What this is his second Super Bowl in what four years? Shanahan, he was in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So these are two of the best to do it. And the thing about it, is, especially from Kyle Shanahan's perspective. If they do, in fact, have something with Trey Lance, 
that, that that's going to be something to watch because Shanahan's been making do with, you know, so-so, slightly above-average quarterback play for mm-hmm. the past several years now. So um, I think if you're, if you're the 49ers, like, you really got to be psyched about what they have going on. Uh, but the Rams, like, this just, this just felt like this is their moment, and I think it will continue uh, in a couple weeks from now. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you, man. It, it feels like, and like you said, man, before the season, I, I, you know, before they had Von Miller, before they signed Odell Beckham, I just felt like even with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and, and Higby and yep. just the guys, I mean, yeah, when Cam Akers first went down, it kind of was like, uh, yep. but then they signed Sony Michelle. Look, the GM, the GM is doing his job with the Rams. I just want to throw that out there, but – with all that said, San Francisco still had a chance to win this game. And I'm going to be real here, man. Like, Jimmy G, that pass that he missed in this game is the difference between him being a starter for somebody next year and now being the backup. It's just, when you look at that and you like, yeah, they're going to find a trade partner, I, I think Jimmy G days as a starter are probably over. Um, because, th- to me, this was an audition because – I think even if they would have won a Super Bowl, Trey Lance is still the starter next year. Like, you don't trade up to draft him. You don't, I'm, I'm sorry. You gave up some things to get him. You don't – this ain't a Josh Rosen situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you don't trade up to get this guy. You know, when you left other guys on the table, clearly you got this guy for a reason, you know, and Jimmy G knew his time was numbered. So I, I felt like this was this was going to be an audition to the rest of the league to say, hey, man, I still got some good game in me. You know, I could be a starter. The problem is he make those mistakes at the wrong time, and it's kind of like, I don't know if I can justify paying you this amount of money to be a starter when you kind of seem to falter when the, when, the get, when the kitchen gets hot. You got to get up out of that joint. You know what I'm saying? So, to the game itself, um, like I said, listen, that Debo Sam, hey, when it's time for his contract, he getting paid. That When you talking about laying it all on the line, my man here gives it all he got out there. Listen, I watched Debo Samuel playing when he was with the University of South Carolina, and I didn't see this. I, I didn't see this out of Debo Samuel. I don't know. I think with Debo Samuel's, it shows that a certain coach can get stuff out of a player that you didn't even know that player had if you just put him in the right situation. And that's Debo Samuel. When he came out of South Carolina, I was like, he'll be a cool wide receiver, you know, whatever. But the guy we're looking at now, oh, man, hey, 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 where that contract extension? Go ahead and get that in there. If this was the NBA, he'll be signing a max contract right now with that performance. That would be an early max contract right now. Because that guy, he, he giving his out. Like, think about this, Jay. Check me out here. Two years ago, the player we talked about the most for San Francisco was one George Kittle. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't even talk about George Kittle that much when we talk about San Francisco. We Like, don't get me wrong. George Kittle's still a premium tight end. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's like, he's still premium. But George Kittle used to be the guy we talked about. Like, you when you when you introduce San Francisco, you're like, George Kittle in San Francisco 49ers, whatever. Now you kind of got to be like, Devo Samuel is kind of that guy right now for them. Like, he he has cl- made himself like the face. He's the all-pro face of, of San Francisco. Now, with that said, 
to the game itself, listen, um, I I think I I I had the Rams winning by a field goal, ten points less on both sides than I predicted, but I had the Rams winning by you know a last second field goal. I thought it was gonna be tough, um, and 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 it was. I thought Matthew Stafford showed that he's not gonna crumble under pressure. It was times he could have just went out there with the young flop show and looked like Matthew Stafford of Detroit, but he made it happen. And that Cooper Cup, man. It's almost like y'all don't see the little white dude running down the field that's just killing y'all. I mean, the dude can make every play. Do he got to be black for y'all to give him some respect or what? Like, I mean, this dude is cooking y'all. What is, what are we doing here? Like, honestly, I listen. When I seen him make that catch against Tampa Bay, I'm saying to myself. Now, if that was Odell Beckham flying through the middle, you have six dudes over there waiting to serve him up like it's free lunch. But, oh, Cooper Cup here, the best receiver on the field, he just, oh, hey, man, don't worry about it. Hey, just go ahead, man. Hey, you know what? Pass, go, and collect 200. Just keep it going, bro. Hey, don't even worry about it. I don't know how teams lose this guy so late in the game. I, I, I don't get it. This dude is all around a stud here. He's he about to be a... Look, he might be top five. Uh, top five right now. I'm just telling you. Listen, if they win the Super Bowl and he go out here and torch something, I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to go ahead and pencil him in top five. He might be number five, but I'm going to have to pencil him in top five. But that dude is, he ain't playing. Matthew Stafford got him on here. And now the reason I had them penciled in to the NFC Championship because I felt like this team had everything that Matthew Stafford could not get in Detroit. That's what we're seeing now. He has everything that he could not get in Detroit. The run game. I mean, he did have Megatron. But you take Megatron out, a, a star receiver, you, you know, a head coach that know how to use his quarterback. Like, he has everything going for him right now, which is why I agree with you. I think the Rams will win the Super Bowl. But Jimmy, like I, like I said in the question, man, the tale of the two quarterbacks were what it was for me. Jimmy G just don't got enough to get it done. And I, I hear people saying, well, look at that wide receiver court. What, what about it? You got Debo Samuels as an all-pro that can line up anywhere. You got George Kittle that's a former all-pro. You had old Jawan Jennings out here dragging dudes down the field. So, I mean, clearly he could get you. I mean, he had – did you see that one first down he got where he dragged like three dudes to the pilot? Like, come on, man. So, I mean, he ain't out here playing with a box of Criollas. Like, he got some good dudes out here that, that can play. Ayuk. Ayuk's pretty good. Ayuk, you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, man. Like you said, if Trey Lance is what they think he's going to be, San Francisco, they're going to be back in this position next year. I think they, they have all the, the promise in the world. All they got to do is upgrade that quarterback position. I mean – Hell, they spitting out running backs by the dozen. They get a no-name running back from Home Depot, mm -hmm. and this dude be a, a, a Pro Bowl alternate when they get finished. You know, like, it don't matter. So, clearly they can figure that out. The defense, we know how electric the Bosa's and the Armsteads and the Warners and, and the – um. Hey, what, what's number one name, the, the, the safety back? Jimmy Ward. Yep. Jimmy Ward. Like – we know how electric they is back there. So I just think the quarterback position kind of failed them a little bit here. And if the, like you said, if Trey Lance is that guy, 
We'll see them again. But all in all, the Rams, you know, well-deserved. Matthew Stafford outplayed Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see you somewhere, Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe they got a spot for you in the Jets because you know they can't get it right, so they'll sign you. So maybe it's somewhere out there for you. Well-deserved for the Rams. Can't wait for the Super Bowl. And I'm happy for Matthew Stafford, man. He's finally low. And we, listen, we focus on Matthew Stafford, right? But how about how about um, the likes of Odell Beckham finally getting the chance to play at a game of this magnitude? You know, how about the Jalen, well, Jalen Ramsey was in the AFC Championship with the, the Saxonville, but still, he, he, he in the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald had been here before, so that's what it is. Von Miller had been here before, so that's what it is. But... Like I say, like guys like Matthew Stafford, guys like Odell Beckham, they finally get to this part on the mountain. You know, it's good to see that. Now, you know what it kind of give me the feel of? You have these older veterans, Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham, going against these young young guys, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. It, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting though. The vets versus the rookies almost. That's how I kind of look at it a little bit. I mean, they're not rookies, folks. I know Joe Burrow not a rookie, but I'm just saying in the terms of age, you're going to have the older stars going against the younger stars who would prevail. I think that's a pretty interesting matchup in the Super Bowl. Well, hey, I almost came in here in all black today, Jay, because um, I thought I was coming to a funeral. And, you know, nobody died. But, hey, man, the GOAT moved on, man. He finally hung it up. The GOAT, I mean Tom Brady, folks. Finally hung it up. Finally retired. Um, <laughs> it's funny. You, you made a comment earlier, and you said, this because of this, you have to respect what the Patriots was able to accomplish after we looked at how the Chiefs have been up and down and we didn't did, have the best team. And the reason we have to respect what the Patriots have done Mainly because of two guys we always give the credit to. One being Bill Belichick and the other one being Tom Brady, man. 20, 22 seasons in the NFL. My, this guy that won seven Super Bowls and made 10 appearances. Mm, 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 mm. Um, Jay, I, the accolades are always piling up for Tom Brady. I, I'm pretty sure I can't say anything that no one else has said about him. He's so great. So, Jay, hit up. Hit us off with some of your highlights from Tom Brady, a luxurious, legendary, and dare I say, first ballot Hall of Fame career. Well, there's a, there's certainly a lot of them. I mean, I think I think you do have to start with like he always, as as his career kind of went along and he started to approach, um, you know, the all-time greats. I think the the last one that kind of you know you would compare him to was uh, Joe Montana. And eventually, you know, the guy just keeps playing, keeps winning, and now we're sitting at seven Super Bowls, and it's like, you, you know, but we we have the Michael and LeBron debate that you know is will will probably rage to the end of time at this point. But I think in the NFL, I think it's pretty settled. Uh, I think Tom Brady is certainly the most accomplished, um, and with his level of accomplishments, he's the uh, the greatest quarterback in NFL history and perhaps, perhaps the greatest player as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it, it's, 
you know, you look at this guy, you look at measurables, you look at, uh, you know, things from the draft, you think about the 199th uh, overall pick in the sixth round, you think about starting off as a backup, being inserted uh, in that first season for the injured veteran uh, Drew Bledsoe, and you think about how some of those early seasons went to how uh, New England was predicated on defense and running the ball, and he did just enough for, to win. You think about the tuck rule in the snow, and that's how kind of how it really all got started. You think of all that, and um, you just you just have to admire. The biggest thing I, I think you have to admire is just he did it for that long, and he got better. It's seemingly, he he's drink. I know it. It didn't end up how you know, the Bucks wanted this year. Right. And I think a lot of it was due to just just crazy injuries and just dudes just, well, one person just saying, eh, screw this, I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> Literally so, said, I think, screw this, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I mean, had, had Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown and some guys like that still been, and Tristan Wirfs, you know, as well, had some of those guys still been there, Brady might have had, the old John Elway, the old Peyton Manning, like retire in glory. It wasn't quite, it didn't quite turn out that way, but I will say, man, the guy, the guy was still playing incredibly well. He, right. he led the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns this year at the age of 44. He was still the same guy who, and we know the guy could never run that well, um, but he's still like the pocket presence, um, the ability to get the ball out quick and, you know, move around to where it, it, he was hard to, to sack. Um, obviously, the decision-making, uh, the ability to make checks at the line of scrimmage, and just, you know, you think about guys like Gronk and, uh, you know, Deion Branch and just all the – you know, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. And it, it's just – there's been a – you know, you look you look at one of those lists of like, man, he, here's the list of guys he threw a touchdown to, and it's just 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 hilariously long at this point. You, you, you really you really start, when 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 a guy retires like this, it's almost like you're better off just keeping it short and sweet because you, you, I think it just I think words kind of putting together a, a coherent like something that would actually do the man justice. It. The, the it, it's a struggle because the guy was so great at what he does. You almost have to be, you know, a Bob Costas or Al Michaels or one of those guys to 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 put it all together in you know one of them Tom Rinaldi sound bites that make you want to cry. You know because <laughs> the the guy the guy simply was the best to ever do it. Whether you liked him, didn't like him, and I, I got to tell you. As time wore along, I got sick of him. I got sick of the winning, you know, and just, can we get this guy out? Anybody else trying to win out here? Anybody. Um, I, I never I never appreciated, you know, some of the theatrics and just the, the, the you know, the, the yelling at coaches and yelling at teammates. And I, did, I thought some of that stuff was, you know, a little unceremonious. And I, but, but in the end, you know, you can nitpick a little bit here and there. Well, you talk about work ethic and just when you talk and you talk about some of the athletic things, I, I never look at look at Tom Brady as like God, like and you look at you look at like the combine things and like the fact that like this guy, this guy cannot run. Right. But I swear 
if you need if you need one yard on a quarterback sneak, you know you're getting it. You don't get it. You, you know, get it. You know you're getting it. So, you know, I incredible career. You think about the um, you know, the, the Super Bowl losses and how close this guy really came to ten Super Bowls. I think the great I think the most exciting time was the undefeated season where they came up short to the Giants when uh, Randy Moss had a 23 touchdown season. I was rooting for history that year, came up short. But um, but even with, you know, a, a disappointment here and there, by far the most successful quarterback we've ever seen. And you look at you, you look at guys who are considered to be kind of in his era. I saw the graphic with, um, you know, uh, Peyton Manning. <laughs> Uh, ben, ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees. And you think about it, like Brady, except for Peyton Manning, those guys' careers started after Tom Brady. And you could like feel, you know, Eli Manning retired a couple years ago and he, he looked like he couldn't play a couple years before that. Right. You know, you've seen Big Ben's kind of deteriorated lately. Philip Rivers, same kind of thing. We know what Peyton Manning was in his final year. All these guys, they decline, and we saw it. We never saw a Tom Brady decline. We never saw that cliff that people were telling us was coming. It never came. And I'm going to tell you, Drink, I think the guy had several more years to play. He never showed signs of slowing down, especially when he had, and you look at how things ended up in New England, but he went to Tampa. He had a lot of talent around him. And he made it happen. And the last point I have to say is the media is lucky that he retired because they came out, out with this stuff pretty early. And then you oh, were yeah. starting to – you had guys like Jim Gray coming out saying, like, he hasn't made that call yet. Like, uh, he's going to take some time. I, I swear, if he had decided to come back and and win one more Super Bowl because I think I think the window would still be open for Tampa next year, depending on how your offseason shakes out. The media, it'd be another black eye for a media which in all facets is just not very effective anymore. Oh, I, I start there. I start there. It's funny that you bring that up because I thought Adam Scheffler was I thought ESPN was going on. They out there sweating. But yeah, I thought he's gonna bite the dust. Um, because yeah, Tom Brady like, what? I didn't say what, what in the hell? What, what's going on with that? You know what I'm saying? So I, I honestly I got a kick out of that because I was like, oh yeah, these insiders, they wanna be yeah. insiders so they get the wrong information. And now, you know what I'm saying, people want answers. Like, what 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 was you thinking? To your point, I, the the one point you made that I like a lot is and one thing I pay attention to when I watch the greats, like when we watch Kobe, when we watch Jordan, now we watching LeBron, and we watch Tiger Woods, and now we watching, um, we watch Tom Brady, and, and and you know the Usain Bolts and the Michael Phelps, all these guys that was just individually like great at what they did. I always look at the longevity and the competition, right? It's funny. I forgot the player, but one of the players had quoted Tom Brady saying this: "Tom Brady." The, the guy goes up to Tom Brady, right? And he's like, hey, man, yo, like, I, yo, I, I, I know you're pretty good, man. Like, but how good do you think you are? And the guy said, you want to know how good, what Tom Brady tell the guy, you want to know how good I am? Ask your dad, because I played against him, and I smoked him too. 
Like, okay, all right, you know, okay, you know, like that. Me personally, as a person, I like cockiness. I like like if as long as you can bag it up. If you ain't out here pulling the Adrian Broner crap, but if you can bag it up like Tom Brady, you could be as cocky as you want. So I, I like that. But to your point, man, like listen, he took over for Drew Bledsoe. I think people forget how good um, Drew Bledsoe was when he took over. Yeah, he was good. Drew Bledsoe, he was good. He was he was a pro bowler, probably an all pro. Um, he got hurt. And, and he stepped in, and he, he kept the thing afloat. Listen, it's a business. Drew Bledsoe wanted more money. Tom Brady was on the cheap. So what happened, happened. But at the end of the day, Drew Bledsoe was a good quarterback when he took over for him. This wasn't a, you know, hey, we drafted Tom Brady to a, a dumpster fire, and he took over, and that was that. No, New England was still a pretty good team. He just took them to the next level. Um, and then, like, when you take when you think about like guys that he he had the rivalries with, like you said, you had the Peyton Manning. Then if you fast forward now, you had the Patrick Mahomes. You had guys just like he just like he had to. The, the great thing about great players like Tom Brady, they have to find a way to re-motivate themselves all the time. Because when you reach a certain pinnacle, like think about this. Yeah, I played 22 seasons. I was in the Super Bowl, 10 of them joints. Oh, by the way, I won 7 over. Like, what can somebody really tell you? And it's like, yeah, hey, man, you need to do this. Yeah, cool, cool story, bro. I'm going to go ahead and do this. Like, you you start losing motivation because it's like, I'm the best at what I do. What are you going to tell me? So you have to motivate yourself. And that's what he did when, 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 um, Deflate gate happened when you know spy gate happened. It was, oh, well, y'all only good because y'all cheat. He's like, no, 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 no. We good because we're good. You know what? Don't worry about it though. Give me that fully inflated football, and I'm still gonna go out here and smoke you. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And that, it's things like that, man. It's just like the killer instinct. He always wanted to kill you. You you made a point about like how he used to yell at people. I'm gonna be honest with you. I I didn't mind it. Because Jordan yelled at people. I didn't mind it. LeBron is passive aggressive. I don't mind it. When you're great, you got to let people know what it is, man. Like, we ain't here for the bull crap. We ain't here for the bull crap. I will I do agree with you. The whole yelling at referee things, maybe not my, my cup of tea. I don't care for the yeah, like turn around barking at the referee like that. But when it's players, if I tell you to go run this flat rock. That's what the F I mean. Go run this flat route. Like, I don't give a real what you think was happening. I don't give a Listen, you, you pull that again, you won't even be in the game. Like, do what the F you're supposed to do. Do your effing job. Hey, I'm all about it, Tom. Sign me up. Because that's what great players do. We talk about Jordan. When he, he punched Steve Kerr, let me tell you something. You Don't come in here being entitled. You want to be a champion, you got to earn it. Like, you don't get nothing over here. Don't come in here flapping around in practice. Yo, you'll get smoked around here. That's what the greats do. And that's why, you know, for for everybody that hate Tom Brady, listen, and all the rules that was created because it's Tom Brady, listen, that that's what it is. He elevated the sport. That's what a great player is supposed to do. That's what separates the goods from the greats. You know who else retired this year? Big Ben, 
it's a gap between Tom Brady and Big Ben. And Big Ben is what mm-hmm. we would consider Big Ben a first ballot Hall of Famer, would we not? Mm-hmm. But yep. it's a gap between them. It's the Atlantic Ocean between both of them players. I'm I'm sorry to say, but it is. That's the difference between being great and being good. So, man, like I said before I started this segment, man, at this point, by the time LeBron decided to hang it up, I'm just gonna start coming on this joint crying. Like that that's my <laughs> that, listen, man, like that's my my pretty much my adulthood was watching LeBron when he in 03. I mean, I was watching basketball before LeBron, but when he came in in 03, man, I remember I used to watch that dude in high school on pay-per-view. And then when Tom Brady took over, like like I remember Drew Bledsoe, but then I don't remember Drew Bledsoe because Tom Brady just came over and t- kind of overshadowed him, and the the Patriots went to like every other Super Bowl, and they even made Randy Moss look like he still had a Vikings jersey on, and you had no name dudes like Corey Dillon coming there and get a little burn, and like it's it just yo man, you you have to appreciate what you have when you have it. Because when they retire, man, when guys like this retire and you don't get this no more, and now we sitting here hoping that we can get this out of uh, Patrick Mahomes or we can get this out of Josh Allen or we can get this out of Aaron Rodgers or we can get this out of Russell Wilson or we can get this out of all these quarterbacks that we, we say, the, the next guy, the next guy, and none of them dudes didn't touch the counter to Tom Brady and probably won't, to be honest. As good as Aaron Rodgers is, he ain't going to put up these numbers, man. You know, as good as Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry. I know he's still young, but he ain't putting up these numbers, man. He's just not. Because I don't know if those guys had a killer instinct that Tom Brady played with. I don't know if they had the I want to be effing great that Tom Brady played with. So, and then for him to go to Tampa, a team that we was pretty much calling losers for the most part, a team where Jameis Winston somehow threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in one season. And, you know, Bruce Aaron is just kind of out there drinking pina coladas and doing what he's doing because it don't really matter. And he he came there, he changed the culture. Like, these Tampa Bay, flan- these Tampa Bay fans was coming out of nowhere. It was like roaches when you turn the lights on, baby. They just, like, oh, what? You a Tampa Bay fan? Yeah, man. Yo, you t- okay, I see what we're doing here. But that's the Tom Brady effect, man. So I'm going to miss having him around. I'm going to miss, like, people hating him so bad that they want him to lose at all costs. But he was must-see TV. Even at the age of 44, after 22 seasons, he was still must-see TV. So hats off to him, man. First ballot Hall of Famer. Can't wait till he get into the Hall of Fame to hear this speech because I know he's going to have some stuff going on. And I, I end it like this. How bad should Antonio Brown feel that, bro, you was playing with one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game that actually helped you get back in the NFL, and your legacy was to leave him hanging, and now he's retired? Like, it's that it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But that said, man, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of sad because now – but it does make the way for the new guys. Now – Tom Brady's out of the picture now, so now we need some new guys to step up and hold that mantle up, so we'll see what the future uphold, but I'm going to miss you, Goat Brady. I'm going to miss you, man. So, 
you know, shots out to him, and we'll see what we're going to have next. Well, in honor of Black History Month, we now turn, we stay in the NFL, we talk about the NFL and, uh, and racism, because uh, one Brian Flores, the, you remember him, he was the coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins. Well, he has um, filed a lawsuit in Manhattan Federal Court, did that yesterday, uh, due to discrimination regarding uh, interview processes with the Denver Broncos in 2019 and the New York Giants uh, just a short time ago. And uh, also the way things ended in Miami. A um, lot of allegations in here. Uh, some of them just kind of weird, like the Miami Dolphins owner paying him uh, to lose games so they can um, get a better draft position. The Broncos brass apparently showed up drunk to his interview, didn't take it seriously. And, you know, other uh, uh, Rooney rule violations. Drink, um, I'm, you know how I, I look at some of these things. Whenever I hear the word uh, racism, I try to really come out here and I try to find it. Okay. And uh, maybe it's here, but I got to tell you, the highlights from some of these stories, they don't jump out to me that way. Um, so break this down for us. Okay. So I, I, I guess you have to look at this to, um, two different ways. Let's, let's just call it what it is for this segment. You're looking at it through the eyes of the black man, and you're looking at it through the eyes of the white man. So, with that said, um, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 talk, we talked about this before the show, right? And, and like, you know, to, to be fair, if one can say, well, I'm looking at all this, and it don't, I don't see no racism, then the other person can say, I'm looking at all this, and I don't see racism. I mean, I, I do see racism. What do I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Well, let me before I dive into it, let me just go and get this out the way first. This is all a move point until we get some uh, a black individual in a leadership position that matters that can actually stand up to the thirty-two, the shield, the owners, and actually have some say in that meeting. Until then. This is cool. This is nice. The NFL is going to play. They're going to pay Flores because they got the money. And it is what it is. Just like they took care of Kaepernick. It is what it is. Soon the NFL is just like, mm, they, gotta, they got the money, whatever. Now, with that said, it's, it's hard for me to believe that it's just zero foul play going on here when you have 32 teams one black coach, 32 teams, zero black owners. 32 teams, I want to say, um, my, my mouth might be off with the GMs because we got GMs in and out, so I'm going to leave that alone. But you're talking about a league that's 75% African-American, 75%. Now, I would, I would agree with the point of just because the league is 75% African-Americans don't mean you should, you're supposed to have a certain number of of African Americans in leadership roles. True. However, when you look at the other leagues, the NBA in particular, they seem to be able to figure out to how to evenly spread out the, the, the group, the African Americans, the whites, the hell, they even incorporate the Europeans. So they can figure that out, but we can't figure that out in what tends to be the king of sports right now in football. In a, in a sport like this, and quite frankly, 
like I, like I said, that is just, you can hit me with the Rooney rule, the Uno rule, the Monopoly rule. I don't care what the rule is. You, It's just going to be what you said, a rule. What what I mean by that? Let's let's go. Let's dive into what Brian Flores said. So, to to what you led in. Okay, he said the the brass, the leadership of the Denver Broncos showed up to the interview drunk, meaning one or two things for me. One, they didn't take him serious as a candidate. Two, they already knew who they was gonna hire. All I know is Nathan Hackett got announced pretty fast. Okay, cool. So. And so to be to be clear to be clear about Denver, this was when Flores interviewed two years ago, when Denver or when three years ago when Denver hired Fangio. So Flores' oh, okay, allegation okay, okay, against okay, okay. Denver is back from twenty nineteen. The Giants is a current allegation that just occurred. Right. Boom. All right. So thanks for that. So if that's the case, unprofessional, like you say, unprofessional. Yeah, yo, that's that's unprofessional as it gets. First and foremost, like, come on, man, are we kidding me right now? This guy, you. Listen, you're a billion-dollar franchise, and you're going to get this guy. This guy is going to be the equivalent of what? Um, probably like a district, I don't know, like supervisor or something. But it, um, an important job, and you just like, yeah, man, I had a long night in town. I was out there with Susie. Uh, yeah, uh, hey, wh- why you want the job, man? Oh, man, whoo. Man, you ever had those shots? Oh, man, them things are crazy. Hey, um... <laughs> You think we could reschedule this? Oh man, I need to lay down a little bit. Uh, and then he got like a sofa bed in his office that he pull out and just lay on it. Like that—that that is crazy unprofessional, right? But all right, cool. Three, you, like you said, three years ago, and that's not to say Vic Vangio didn't deserve the job because, like you said, that man waited around for a very long time to get his shot. So I can't say he didn't deserve his shot, right? Then let's talk about what what happened with New York. Now, granted, if, if it wasn't for the fact that he got the text message from Bill Belichick and all that, I don't think people can really argue that Brian Dayball don't deserve that job over Brian Flores, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I look at what Brian Dayball did with the Buffalo Bills and look what Flores did with the Miami Dolphins. You cannot look at both of them and be like, Brian Flores is definitely better than Brian Dayball. No, Chief. We'll have to dive into that one. So I, I think the 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 bigger piece for that situation is the way the information was dispersed. The way that Bill was like, hey man, just heard the news. You know, this is what I equated to. Military guys, I think you'll understand this. I equated to I, I said this at work. It's like a promotion board, right? You got you got board members in the promotion board. Now, they know who's going to get this promotion and who won't. And they don't supposed to say anything, but you know how it go. They get out of there. They're like, hey, man, congratulations, man. You got that. You know what I'm saying? But you didn't hear that from me. And then they, they roll off and they do whatever, right? And now you all happy, but you can't say nothing because you're not supposed to know. It's supposed to be a surprise. That's what I feel like Bill Belichick did. Bill Belichick, hey, man, good job, man. Oh, you sure? You sure I got a coach? Yeah, man. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. Heard it from the man himself. Hey, man, you you deserve it, man. Hey, congratulations. Are you you talking about Brian Dayball or Brian Flores? Oh shit. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I, oh shoot. I dropped the ball on that one. Hey, sorry, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Okay, so Bill Belichick maybe indulged in some information he shouldn't have. So he made a mistake. But we can't necessarily call that racism. He just he got his brines mixed up. Maybe he should put pictures next to the name so he'll know who he's talking to. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? So he didn't coach the That's was yeah, I, I, I was just thinking like for Bill Belichick to make that mistake. That's one of the biggest oddities in all of this. The most detailed coach ever, like, to make that type of oversight, I just find it odd. Very well. No. So, Brian Dayball got the job. No. So, then Florida – so, okay, to that point, I found that odd until probably follow-on actions. But, so then, all right, boom, that comes out. Brian Flores say at that time – he was yet to interview for the job. So what are we talking about right now? Like, wait. You're right. Yeah. So now you telling me congratulations on the job. I ain't even interviewed for yet. Hmm. And then, you know, he interviewed. Maybe the interview don't quite go the way he think. And then Brian Dayball get announced. That was part of the Rooney rule. Well, the Rooney rule was supposed to, you know, at least up the ratio of African-American players and, and GM. But all you really did was just add work to the teams because you still can't force anybody to hire whoever they – I mean, listen, I said this to you before the show. You can't go into Amazon and go to Je Jeff Bezos' office and say, hey, Jeff – Hey, check this out, brother. Um, you need to um make sure that your um COO is black. Um, we we need an African American now. You got that? All right, thanks, man. Jeff Bezos is probably gonna turn around and say, "Security, get this bomb out of my office," and and throw you out with pleasure and tell you, "Don't ever come in my office and tell me who to hire in my organization." You can't go to Tesla and tell Elon Musk. Hey, man, yo, so your chief product maker, he needs to be an African-American. We kind of need that, that black face right there. So if you can just, you know, hire one, promote one, do whatever, you know what I'm saying? We're we looking to have about three to five around here. Get, you got me, Elon? I'm pretty sure he's going to tell you, get the hell out of his building. And he might have somebody <laughs> rough you up on the way out. But in the world of sports, we feel the need that that can happen. Why do we feel the need that can happen? Because the population of the sport. Because African-Americans make up a big population of the sport. So you would, you would think that you would see more of the population in the management, in the leadership, in the hierarchy of these organizations. But I, I just, to your point, is that fair? Is, is that fair to say? So then I think like, okay, we were just talking about Robert Smith. He's in a running to possibly buy the Denver Broncos right now. If he was to buy the Denver Broncos, I feel like that's the biggest move you can make. I like what Brian Flores is doing. I appreciate what Colin Kaepernick did for us. But the biggest move you can make to impact the future of the African-Americans being in the hierarchy is for Robert Smith to end up winning the bid to buy the Denver Broncos. Because now you have somebody in that top room of 32 that can say, all right, if one of 32, I got it. But still, you got something. You got something there. We pulling at something, right? So 
that's why I, th- I think that goes right. And then the, to to go back to rewind all this back to Flores. Now that Flores then said something, now now Hugh Jackson out here with the yeah man. I mean, I wasn't gonna say nothing until Brian said something, but now that he just said something, the cat's out the bag now. So, uh, you know, in, two, in 16 and 17, they paid me to lose games too. That's why I was losing so much. Y'all know I'm a better coach than that. But, I mean, that tuition was getting to me. I had to make these ducats right quick. So, yeah, man, they was paying me to lose too. Once again, I don't know if that's true because I don't know. Cleveland just wasn't that good. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that information. But I don't think – yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm also going to say that 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 owner didn't need to pay Hugh Jackson for that team – for those teams to lose. They were they were awful. <laughs> Facts. Um, so, <laughs> so you got that. Now, to Brian Flores' previous employer, and I think this is the craziest part of it all. Cause like I said, you can you can dispel the rest of it. I don't understand. Okay, what is the real reason Brian Flores got fired from Miami? I I, yeah. I gotta know what what is the real reason? It, you can't tell me he's a bad coach. We seen the product that Miami turned out with an offensive line that was letting people die by the minute. We seen how he built that. Just two years ago, or three years ago, I should say, we thought they was the most uninterested team in all of football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, they like a, you know, close to the edge playoff team. One or two more wins, they in the playoffs. I, I, have, I want somebody to explain to me, what in the hell did Flores do to get fired as the head coach of Miami? Not to mention... This is the same Brian Flores, if you remember this, that called out the black players on his team for making right. making yeah. a big deal of the, what was going on in the country. Remember that. He rep, mm-hmm. A black coach reprimanded his black players for what was going on in the nation at the time. That's how much courage this guy got. Because I can tell you right now, every black coach ain't doing it. They ain't doing it. Because you know what you get labeled as when you do something of that magnitude. I know a white coach ain't doing that. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Facts. So, <laughs> he he did that. And that's, I'm going to be honest, that's when I got on the Brian um, Flores bandwagon when he did that. When he called out Kenny Stills. When he told them, listen, knock it off, man. Y'all out here with this Beverly Hills bull crap. Y'all don't know what it is to be in the trenches out, out here actually in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? Out here dealing with you being an immigrant, getting spit on because you know what it is. And he did that. I just don't understand. I, this is what I want to know. I, listen, I want the 30 for 30. I want to know why Flores got fired after the season he had and all of a sudden it turns around to be this race thing. What happened here? How did this spiral out of control? I told you this what before the, uh, the last show we did. I thought Flores was going to be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. I really did. I thought when it was all said and done, they was going to get him to Houston. Deshaun Watson was going to be happy to have a winning, coachable head coach. He was going to get in that thing, be motivated again to play, and the rest was going to be history. Instead, my man is suing the NFL and getting compared to Colin Kaepernick. And I just, I, I just don't know. 
if that's what he was going for, even though it, things seem to work out for Colin Kaepernick. But I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna wrap it up, and I'm gonna say this, Jay. You, we might not be able to prove true racism here, but it's a, it's definitely an imbalance here. When I have to see guys like Josh McDaniels get multiple chances to be a head coach, I see guys like um, they, they wanted to hire Dan Quinn. What the, what the hell did Dan Quinn do to deserve another head coaching job? I see guys, you know, the, the only coach I know that got a, a, a real layup and that was black was Colin. And make no mistake, when Steven, uh, Steven Collin, when, when he was the head coach of the Texans, he was the lowest paid head coach in all of the football league for a reason. For a reason. Because they didn't think much of him when they hired him anyway. That was just something to try to get Deshaun Watson back into the fold. Oh, you talking about? Work. Oh, you talking about David David Cully? David Cully, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, David Cully. But it was a reason why they paid him like the bottom tier, whatever you pay NFL head coaches. They didn't take him serious. He didn't even take himself serious. He was never a coordinator. <laughs> like, come on, man. You you went out there and basically hired a a, a manager and then told him, "Hey, come on up, your shot." You didn't take that serious. Let's let's be real here. So when I when I watch these guys like keep getting brought up for head coaching jobs and you like, what? Who? What the hell did he do? But then I watch black coaches like, they go be one and done and you don't hear from somebody tell me what Steve Wilkes at. Somebody let me know. Because he was in, we know he was in Arizona for one cup of coffee and that was it. Him and Josh Rosen got sent out as a package. Like, they were out of here. Both of them ain't. I don't even know what John Rosen at for that fact of the matter. But they both got sent back. I just, I think the criteria for black coaches outside of Mike Tomlin. And let, let me bring up Mike Tomlin because this is, that's the caveat for everybody. Well, you got Mike Tomlin. I don't see you. He, he, he ain't complaining. Well, after 15 winning seasons, why would he complain? And, by the way, you know who he played for? You know who his owners is? Oh, the Rooney's. Oh, what was what that? The Rooney rule? Yeah, it's a correlation now, folks. That the, the same Rooney's that own the Pittsburgh Steelers is the same Rooney's that instilled the Rooney rule because they thought they was creating something to create a fair balance. And in retrospect, what they did was just create more work for themselves is what they did. However, they don't have to worry about that. No, because no, they, don't, they don't fire people. Right. So they don't really have to worry about that. So they're like, hey, guys, hey, 31 other owners, that's on you. See you later, man. They just dropped that ball and just left. And they're like, hey, Tomlin, hey, make this easy on us and keep winning, buddy. You know what I'm saying? So he's doing his end. He's he doing what he's supposed to. But that's one guy out of 32. And well deserve it, one guy out of 32. Well deserve it. But at the end of the day, like I said, Jay, and we, we talked about this, it's a lot of open, It's a few openings, right? We just talking about this Jacksonville, Miami, um, New Orleans, um, Minnesota. There's Minnesota. Still, there's still a few. Um, so this could this narrative could change here in the coming weeks. But as we talk right now, one black coach out of thirty-two, which probably one of the long, longer tenure coaches out of thirty-two, I might add, at two, you know, zero black owners out of thirty-two. It does make you wonder. Yeah, I might not be able to point to direct racism, but I can point into 
something is not right, something is unbalanced, and something needs to be done to at least stop the noise of racism. Because the NBA done figured it out. I don't hear baseball people yelling the MLB is racist. I don't, hell, I don't even hear this in the NHL, and I can't tell you how many black people play in the NHL. But still, in the college football, I mean, sorry, in, in, in football, the American football, with the, the sport that's the king of American sports, we saying racism for whatever reason. So it's what like like my mom used to tell me growing up, where there's smoke, there's fire, and it is some smoke around this situation, Jay. What say you? Uh well I have to I have to say, um, just in regards to the Steelers, the Steelers <laughs> may be if not the best example of how to run an NFL franchise, they are certainly at the minimum top five. And they've had, what, three coaches in probably the past, what, 50 years in, or so? In the modern, in modern day era, only three coaches. You go back to, yeah, you talk about Chuck Noll, four Super Bowls, Bill Cowher, a Super Bowl, Mike Tomlin, a Super Bowl. Um, the great thing about that is, um, I don't think, and I think this was Mike Tomlin was hired before the Rooney rule, but I don't think Mike Tomlin got hired because he was a black man. I don't think Bill Coward got hired because he was white. And I don't know about Chuck Noll, but I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess the Rooney's, they wanted to win football games and they wanted to win titles. And when Mike Tomlin interviewed after Bill Coward left, they hired Mike Tomlin because they felt he was the best man for the job. And I'm, you know, don't cancel me for only saying man in that instance, but that's what we have now. Um, so this, my ultimate, my bottom line problem is that as we just continue to get pigeonholed on race and characteristics that we don't have um, a snowball's chance in hell of fixing, we are moving further and further away from what we should be talking about, which is merit and qualifications and the best person should be getting these positions. Now, I will say to you, at face value, when you talk about whatever percentages you want to throw in, league players, 75% black and all that, and then you look around and you have one black head coach at this particular moment in time, um, it does kind of like, well, that's that's a wee bit odd. But you also, you do have to go back a couple of years. You know, you go back a couple of years, you know, three or four years. You know, names like Anthony Lynn and Hugh Jackson and Vance Joseph, and Steve Wilkes, and, uh, you know, th there's others that I'm missing. I mean, Brian Flores, you know. So it's not like the NFL has, like, for years now, like, oh, man, zero out of 32 head coaches. This is ridiculous. And then Mike Tomlin got a job. Well, we're making inchworm progress here, you know. So it's it seems to me that, this thing has kind of fluctuated in recent years. Marvin Lewis is another guy you can throw in here. Um, it is it is a much like, and again, don't throw me off the air, but much like that we look back at elections, recent elections, and we say, you know what? I don't know about this one. Are you 80, 81 million? Are you sure? All right, well. I can't put my finger on, but I'm not sure about that. I think there was some irregularities in there. At the very least, there appears to be some irregularities. Now, the problem I have with this is I'm looking, you know, 
listen, the headlines from all this are like Brian Flores say the NFL is racist in its hiring policy. I'm guessing the meat of that is the Rooney Rule violations, um, which I would say that that rule um, team, I think we've kind of suspected this. Teams are just checking the box on this because they want to hire who they want to hire mm-hmm. um, as well. And I think you should. I think you should when you, are, you know, in, in general, in the general cases that these are, you know, billion dollar franchises and the owners, you know, invested whatever money he has, a lot of it. Uh, you should be able to run that business how you see fit. You brought up the, you know, the private business angle of it with Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and whoever else you want to throw in there. Uh, you're not telling them who to hire. Um, so the problem is when you start getting into this situation where, okay, we have the percentage of how many black players we have. So what is the, I guess, what is the solution? Because everything is generalized right now to where, okay, we just, we just want more. Well, how much more? Is it 75% coaches need to be black as well? Does it need to be, you know, about the same as the workforce? And, but because if, if you don't give me a target, then I don't know what to do for you because we can just say more and more. And then, by the way, so you have the Rooney rule, which means you have to interview minorities for these positions. Well, I mean, that it's is it really when you just mandate interviews for who you know you may not obviously i don't know man maybe denver maybe it wasn't a serious interview for denver with brian flores when they hired vic fangio maybe it wasn't a serious interview for the giants when you got bill out here texting like hey man congrats like are you sure this this is brian flores you know oh my bad I, i messed that up you know, that could, I mean, obviously that wasn't a serious interview because Dable had already gotten hired before Flores even interviewed. So, I mean, that that's obviously a terrible look. But, so, but I can't, I can't get mad at the teams necessarily because they following the rule, but that's a rule that the NFL imposed to, because diversity, well, at the end of the day, like, uh, Goodell worked for the owners. They own the teams. They're in charge. They can hire whoever the hell they want. And this does go back to the point which we have made on segments like this before, where we said, if look, man, I brought up the Nathaniel Hackett, Eric Bieniemy, you know, fictional example. You know, these guys, both of them, uh, you know, qualified, you know, really, you know, along the same lines. They got the same type resume. You could flip a coin. Well, I mean, if you got a white owner, which you know, you got, well, you got Shad Khan. I think he's the only minority owner. And he goes with the white guy because, dare I say, he might be a little bit more comfortable with that guy. They might speak a similar language. That's all I'm saying. Right. Um, so, and I think, and you've conceded, and I think rightfully so, because we're fair-minded individuals, that that ain't, I wouldn't call that racism. I just, because on the flip side, if you had a black owner and uh, the same situation, he might hire the enemy because he might speak the same language he does. I don't have a problem. With, I don't have a problem with that. Now the thing where, so I think the Rooney rule is, I think it's a racket and teams are just trying to skirt around it. They just comply with it, but they're not taking it seriously. But I think that's an NFL problem because you're trying to force diversity or equity or whatever, throw whatever buzzword in there. And these teams just not that interested in it. They want to hire who they want to hire. I would hope they're hiring the best people for the job. And so now some of this other stuff is just foolish. I think there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of bad policy and unprofessionalism. The John Elway and the Denver Bronco brass out here drunk or whatever, um, that's obviously unprofessional. And this Stephen Ross crap about paying the coach to lose, that's what are you doing? But that, but none of that to me. These are things that are not racist. And by the way, just in fairness, the three teams, the Dolphins, Giants, and Broncos, have all denied the allegations. And the NFL has obviously made their whole uh, equity statement, which like, well, we support diversity and we're trying to do it and blah, blah, blah. Well, good, good. Um, so, but um, the, the Stephen Ross thing, what, what it comes down to back to the ownership, you got some rotten owners out here. You, you just do. Dan Snyder is a joke. And I don't care what name they name the team. This guy should get on out of here. So what I would, what I'm interested in, if you're Dan Snyder, excuse me, not Dan Snyder, not him, but if you're Roger Goodell, and where the hell is Jay-Z at? I thought he was working with the NFL on social justice and all the rest of it. Jay-Z, get the brothers together and say, hey, look, guys, Denver's selling their team. Why don't y'all go over there and buy it? And we can create that, we can create the change from up top because that's that's where it's going to be. And then for Roger Goodell, like, the, the NFL need to come up with something to where, like, hey, y'all, um, owners, y'all come here with this bull crap. And I swear, if this Stephen Ross crap about paying people to lose is true, y'all need to get the board together and, like, take a vote. You should be able to vote somebody off the island because this is this is ridiculous. Like, forget the racism stuff. Like, this is incompetence at the high – no wonder you haven't won anything ever because – you, you got a coach who gave you back-to-back seasons for the first time since 2003, and he's the one that got to go? Yo, come on, man. Look, d- disgraceful in every sense of the word. I do want to know more, but I, but I have to say, look, my, my, my other problem with this is, and this goes to Hugh Jackson as well, when these things happen, for me, and I know, I know this is easier said than done, but if this stuff happens to Brian Flores in 2019, I would have, and I know this is very easy to say. I, I get, I, I resign. I like, no, I'm not doing that. That's unethical. That's bad policy. I didn't, I didn't come here to lose football games. I know, and you know, we go back to the time where we was talking about, man, Dolphins ain't gonna win a game this year. Well, they won five, and then they won ten, and then they went one and seven to start this season, but they finished nine and eight. Brian Flores is a hell of a coach. When you talk about young defensive minds, I go back to that Thursday night game against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. It was something to behold. I would, when he got fired, when Miami let him go, I said, Denver, hire this man right now. I'll take him. And by the way, not to, not to show how morally superior I am, not my cup of tea, but I've been ta- look, I'm about hiring the best person for the job. Todd Bowles deserves a job. I think Leftwich is right for the job in uh, in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. There are obviously qualified black black coaches that should be able to coach again. And I do think the whole retread thing, it does seem like, and I can't put my finger right on it, but it does seem like the guys that get second chances are more often white than black. I would, I'll submit that to you. Uh, but the, the, the overall problem I have with this, when the headline says racism, Show me the racism, because if you're going to defame, if you're going to make these charges, which are d- drink at this day and age, you, you might could get away with being some really horrible things in this country. 
you, you might could, I mean, Henry Ruggs killed somebody. It's probably better to be Henry Ruggs than a racist right now. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that. Um, so when you say that and you know what a, you say that, you say that, but he's sitting in that cell right now. Oh no, man. I might have to take the race. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe, but I mean, it's, it's tight because man, like the racism charge that, that, that's a that's an ender in another way. That, that's something you don't want to be associated with racist. I'm gonna say that. But if you say that, you have to show me the racism. And I hope they can show it because that's something because drink, we live in a we live in a society now where, especially in terms of that, people aren't people are not innocent until proven guilty. That's a label that sticks in a lot of cases. So um you know, obviously, you have to see how it plays out in court. But, um, I, you know, the other the other part of it is when you go back to the, the Kaepernick comparisons. When Kaepernick started his kneeling thing, I didn't I thought that was it. Like, I was like, you can see the writing on the wall. This guy not a viable NFL quarterback anymore. So take that what you will. The, the sad thing here is if we are right about Brian Flores is now the coaching equivalent to Colin Kaepernick. It's a real damn shame because Brian Flores obviously can coach and he should be a head coach right now the real crime is he should have never left miami should have never left miami that was a mistake it just proves how miami is in terms of ownership uh the broncos have an opening uh the washington and miami should they deserve new owners and damn it jacksonville might be next because that dude is about as apathetic as it gets um so i don't know i hope we get to the bottom of it i hope we uh and i hope look in the end, I really believe the best person gets the job. Let's focus a little bit less on color. Uh, but in closing, and I meant to say this up front, what a pleasure to be here with you and talk about some of these subjects openly and honestly with common sense. We probably don't agree fully on this. A lot of times we come to the same conclusion, but it's absolutely okay. And um, I did want to throw that in there. It's a great pleasure. Hey, man. And as well for me, brother, because um, at the end of the day, like, like you said to the racism part, you know what I'm saying? I say this at work, hey, it's going down. Hey, what, what, what do you mean? No, 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 no. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> it's good to have a platform. I can see it. You can see what you see through your eyes. I can see what I see through my eyes. And when, when it's all said and done, it ain't like, yo, F this dude. He can eat a bag of babies, you know what? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I, 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 I I appreciate you for allowing me to say what I got to say on this subject. All right, so you know what time it is. Last but not least, it's rapid reaction. A whole lot of topics, a little bit of time. Jay, the floor is yours. All right, the NCAA had a comeback year in 2021 with earnings of $1.15 billion after they lost $800 million in 2020 due to the pandemic. Drink, what's your reaction to that? Well, here's the deal. Usually when you hear somebody lost $800 million, she's like, yeah, But when you hear the very next year, they made $1.15 billion, you're like, well, I mean, what do you want me to say? I mean, it's been a great year. And I got a feeling in 2022, they're going to make even more because they're going to squeeze an extra buck out the NIL, baby. So be on the lookout for that. On the heels of the Brian Flores fr- fracket, 
Former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson alleged he was paid to lose games during the 2016 and 2017 season. Jay, what are your thoughts on this? I think I spoiled this one earlier, but uh, that team was bad regardless. I don't, I don't think the owner needed to waste money uh, for them to lose games. Dallas Mavericks guard Tim Hardaway Jr. had surgery yesterday to repair a broken bone in his left foot. There's no timetable for his return right now. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Uh, it's a big deal for me. Um, you know how I feel about Porzingis. I always felt like Tim Hardaway was kind of the second guy on that team. It usually was when he wasn't on that night, they usually lost because, like I said, Porzingis was always hurt because he's the unicorn and he's softer than the unicorn. So I'm going to go with a big deal on this one. Earlier today, Pittsburgh football coach Pat Narduzzi called a narrative around the quarterback Kenneth Pickett's hand a complete joke. Do you agree with him? Yeah, I think so. I think the whole hand size thing, you know, is kind of an overblown as far as quarterbacks. If you can spin it in college, I, I think you can probably spin it in the NFL. I think the bigger problem is like uh, Kenny Pickett in his first three years um, was about, you know, more average than a Jason Garrett coach uh, football team. Um, and then all of a sudden he turned on as a senior. So, um, yeah, you know, he got a little Daniel Jones feel to him, but that's my bigger problem. The quarterback class, I don't think it's all that great this year. College football defensive coordinator Kevin Steele was supposed to join the Maryland staff, but has changed course and will take the same job at Miami. What you make of that switch? How the hell? How, how is Kevin Steele still getting jobs? Like, can somebody tell me the last time Kevin Steele had a top ten defense and he was shutting down this? And every, every, I feel like every year he's on a new team. He's a journeyman coach. Like, how? how? Like, come on, man. Like, man, hold him accountable. Los Angeles Angels superstar Shohani Otani will be on be, will be the cover athlete for Sony's MLB The Show 2022. Did they get it right, Jay? So, I mean, the guy, you know, coming off the MVP season, you know, we know what he can do with, uh, you know, the two-way superstar aspect, you know, run, uh, with with the, the hitting and also the pitching and all that. So, uh, I, I, think, I think they made the right choice. The Bills have hired former Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady as their quarterbacks coach. Uh, Brady was a head coaching candidate last season. Will this job get him back on track? Yes. I mean, I don't like it's it's crazy how that happened so fast. I mean, now listen, you go from whatever that was you had at the Panthers to Josh Allen. I, that's an upgrade within itself. But to go from being a possible head coach to not being, you know, considered a quarterback's coach it is a bit of a drop. But I do think he's in a position where he can get back to where he's going and possibly be a head coach here in the coming years. Former Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams has followed his coach Lincoln Riley by announcing he's transferring to USC. Was that a good idea? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, Lincoln Riley at one point had um... – Know back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners and three straight Heisman finalists. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's a smart move for Caleb Williams to um, go with Lincoln Riley. And I think Caleb Williams, when it's all said and done, at the very least, he can be a Heisman finalist. He was quarterback Jalen Hurts will have surgery on his injured ankle that nagged him towards the end of the 2021 season, but he's expected to be ready for the off-season workouts. Um, does that injury news concern you at all? No, not really. You know, me being – you know, um, an Alabama fan got, got to see Jalen Hurts a lot in college, even when he went to Oklahoma following him. Injuries was not really a thing for him. He didn't get hurt a lot. 
So, I mean, yeah, he got a little nagging injury, but I don't think it's like a trend right now. So, no, I'm not concerned at this present time. The Washington football team era has come to an end as the team has announced their new name. And, yes, folks, this is a whopper. The Washington Commanders. Final thoughts on the on the name brand circus? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm glad we went with the military verbiage because um, it appears that we're about to embark on another another great war. Um, so I think what I think in honor of that, you should have this name changed. The owners should vote dance. Uh, Roger Goodell should lead the vote to vote Dan Snyder off the off the island, and he should be the first one to Ukraine. That's how I feel about it. Anyway, that concludes tonight's explosive drink of wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, and subscribe. We appreciate it all. And thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Watt. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. We going to holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is A Drink of Wisdom. Yes. Oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my.